good morning. Uh, welcome to First Baptist. We have the pleasure this morning of starting with uh, three baptisms. You know, a baptism is simply a, a person identifying that they have professed Christ, that they have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. You see, I had the opportunity to, to be with these two when, when uh, they gave their life to Christ, but you guys didn't know that. And so by coming and being baptized, they're simply identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I'm proud this morning to be able to baptize. We have a brother and a sister uh, this morning that are going to be baptized. And so that's a great thing. And so first let me introduce uh, Caroline. This is Caroline Teal. Uh, she's the daughter of, of AJ and Valerie Teal. And so if you're family or friends with Caroline's, will you please stand up in her honor? Great. Thank you. Caroline, this morning, let me ask you in front of your family and friends, uh, will you confess that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Oh, great. Caroline, upon your confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Caroline's older brother, Blake. He's in the eighth grade, and Blake also uh, came and talked with me, and, and I had the, the privilege of, of sharing the gospel with him. And let me just make a quick note. It's important. Both of these students had been talking with their parents and uh, had already talked through things, just wanted to come and, and solidify and have them be able to talk to somebody else. But it shows the importance, parents, of talking with your kids about spiritual things. And so... Um, you know, they're, they're here this morning because their parents talked to them about Christ and about, talked to them about wanting to have a relationship with Jesus. Blake, um, if your friends or family with Blake, would you please stand in his honor? Thank you very much. Blake, in front of your family and friends, will you confess Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Awesome. Amen. Blake, upon your confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Ashton Farrell. And Ashton's been coming here to church for a few months and been a part of the student ministry and had the, the privilege of knowing him. And, and uh, you know, he looks like he should be in college. Um, he's just a 10th grader. He's a pretty big boy. And, um, and so I'm excited to be able to, to baptize him this morning. Ashton's uh, parents, Bobby and Alexis, are here. If you're family uh, or friends with, with uh, Ashton's, would you please stand in his honor? We can wave back. It's all right. Well, thank you for standing. Ashton, this morning, uh, will you confess Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Awesome, my brother. It's upon your confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's continue to worship. And let's just pray for them right now. Would you join me, please, and bow in prayer? Oh, Father, thank you for your grace that extends to us who are sinners and gives us the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin, through repentance and faith in Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you for Caroline and Blake and Ashton. And I thank you for their confession today. And I want to pray for them now. I pray this will be the beginning of a lifelong journey of following you as Lord of their lives and serving you. And so, Lord, I pray you'll keep them from the evil one. And I pray that you'll grow them through your word and your church. And I pray that they will lead many other people to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, when we see baptism, it reminds us of our own baptism. And we thank you for saving us. Thank you that you reached down to us. Help us recommit ourselves to you today. And Lord, if there's a person here today uh, listening to me right now who has not made that confession in the waters of baptism that Jesus is Lord, I pray that today their heart will be moved, they'll turn to you, they'll be saved, and they'll make that confession next month in our baptism. Oh Lord, thank you for this privilege of worshiping you. Uh, We look forward to this time we ask you to guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to First Baptist Church. We're very glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. If you're a guest, I want to extend a especially warm welcome to you. Hope you'll feel at home. I know how it is. First time you go someplace, you're looking around saying, what is this like? So we're so glad you're here. Hope you'll feel welcome. After the service, I'll be at the Welcome Center. have a gift for first-time guests, some info about our church, a CD of our music, some other things. Love to give that to you. Uh, If you just come by the Welcome Center on the way out, there's a guest card in the pew rack. I'd like to get to know your name. If you don't mind filling that out, it helps me to learn your name if I see that you could bring it by and there's a slot out there at the at the welcome center you can place it in and and pick up that guest uh, gift that we have for you Uh, I want to share one more thing that's at the welcome center we have an intercessory prayer ministry where people in our church commit to pray for our church at a designated hour each week for at least 15 minutes Uh, and this is our annual re-sign up we have 60 people already signed up we have over 60 more slots, slots in the waking hours. And so I'm asking you, would you commit to pray once a week for our church for at least 15 minutes at a designated time? If so, would you go by the Welcome Center today? And there's sign-up sheets every day of the week, every hour of the day. And uh, we're, we would just love to have every waking hour somebody praying for our church. And we believe prayer is so important. So go by there, if you will, and sign that up. We'll send you a prayer list of some things you can pray for. And then every week you'll get an updated weekly prayer list. God works through prayer. Would you join us in, in praying? It'll help you to grow. If maybe you don't have a set time of prayer, if you'd pray for 15 minutes once a week, it'll get you started in a life of prayer. So I hope you'll go by the Welcome Center and uh, fill that out and uh, join us in that prayer ministry. So glad you're here today. Uh, let's worship together. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Death was arrested. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance 
when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace of me washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your From my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus rose and my freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and Jesus Christ. He has done great and mighty things in the past. 
and we know that he will do them again. So, Lord, we, t- we ask you, Lord, please do your work in us. You've done it before. Do it in us again. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won, for you have never failed me. I love this part. Your promise still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hand. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Oh, you've never failed me. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your Your promise still stands, Lord. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me yet. Oh, you never fail me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, we've seen you move, Lord. We're going to see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move a mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. 
for you this morning, offering up our prayers to you, Lord, our hearts to you. Lord, we pray that, Lord, in our worship today, that, that you have been pleased, that we have touched your heart with our hearts. And now, Lord, we, we want to ask you to open up our minds to hear from you today, open up our ears, that we may understand the things that you want to say to us today, Lord. Be with Dr. Cox as he comes and brings your message. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and speak through him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Do you have a sense of purpose in your life? Most of us at some time in our life journey, come to ask the question, what's my life about? What's the meaning of life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Some, for some, it uh, uh, begins when you're a kid and people ask you, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you start thinking about, what's my life going to be like? It comes when you graduate from high school or you graduate from college and you're considering some pathways and some careers or jobs or schools and you think what's what's my purpose in life and then maybe you get uh, started in life and you, you sort of got a direction and you get married and and uh, then there comes those thoughts some people call it the seven-year itch did I marry the right person did I choose the right career what is my life supposed to be like? You get to midlife and some people have a midlife crisis. Or you get to a point when your kids have gone away from home and it's a whole different dynamic in your family and you say, what do I do now? Or you get to retirement and that job that has fueled your daily routine week in and week out for 30 years is gone. You think, who am I? What do I do now? 
Do you have a sense of purpose in life? I'm sharing a four-week sermon series that we began last week entitled Finding Purpose for Life. And what I'm sharing with you in this series is we were created for a relationship with God. And you will find your greatest sense of fulfillment and purpose and meaning and worth and significance through that relationship with God. So we're looking at it from different facets. Last week we looked at the biblical concept of the glory of God. And we talked about that you can find fulfillment by living for the glory of God. Today, we want to look at that same idea of a relationship with God from a little different angle. And I want to talk to you about doing the will of God. In the Gospel of John, it tells of a time when Jesus and his disciples were traveling from Judea to Galilee. And they went through a Samaria. They stopped outside a Samarian village. And Jesus sat down at the well to rest, and his disciples went into the village to buy food. While Jesus was waiting there at the well, a woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her to give him a drink of water. And it started a wide-ranging conversation with her in which Jesus told her, I'm the living water, and I can give you water that will satisfy you and fill you up. And he said, go get your husband and come, let's talk about it. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, yeah, you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. You're right that you don't have a husband. And it was obvious this woman had not found the fulfillment that she was looking for and Jesus offered that to her. She went into the village to tell people, I think I found the Messiah. And meantime, the disciples come back and they bring food And they say, Jesus, eat something. I want to pick up reading in John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Jesus is talking figuratively. As often the case, the disciples think he's talking literally. They think, where did he get food? Somebody bring him a sandwich? How did he get food out here? And he says to them, verse 34, My food, I have food, verse 33, then his disciples, could could someone have brought him food, verse 33, and then verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I've got food you don't know anything about, I'm full, I'm filled full, I'm fulfilled, I'm satisfied, I've got food that has satisfied me that you know nothing about. And he said it's to do the will of God. Would you like that kind of fulfillment in your life where you say, hey, I'm good, I'm satisfied, I'm fulfilled, I'm filled full. Jesus said it comes by doing the will of God. Today I want to challenge you to make the purpose of your life to say, I'm not going to do my will, I want to do God's will. And that will be the driving force and the purpose and the direction of my life. I want to do God's will to have this kind of meaning and fulfillment that Jesus expressed there. So, what is God's will for you? What would it be if you said, I'm, today I'm going to do the will of God? How do you know God's will? I'm going to share with you from the Bible, there, I think there are three parts to God's will for your life. Number one. There is God's universal will for everyone, and this is revealed in the Bible. So first, there's God's 
universal will for every person, and it is clearly revealed to us in the Bible. You don't have to guess what God's will for you is. He's loved you enough that he's given us the Bible, and it tells what his will for everyone is. I'm going to read to you just three passages of Scripture that give you some examples. These are not exhaustive, but here's foundationally what God's will for you is. Number one, it's God's will that you be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So the first part of God's will for you is for you to admit you're a sinner and put your faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized and confess Jesus as Lord and begin to live with him because that's the best path for you. It's going to be the very best for you. It's going to get you to heaven. It's going to give you direction and hope. That's God's will for you. Second, I give you a second part of God's revealed will in the Bible that's the same for every person. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. So you don't have to guess about what God's will is. His will for his you is that you be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So after you're saved, he wants you to grow. He wants you to live a pure life. He wants you to be progressing in a Christian faith. And that's his will for you. And that's where the best blessing is going to come for you. I'll give you one more place in the Bible that shares his revealed will. In the same book, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the attitude of joy and thankfulness, and so if we're not like that, we're out of God's will, that's God's will, that's how our lives are going to be best. So you see, he, we don't have to guess about a lot of his will, it's revealed right there for us. He wants you to be saved, sanctified, thankful, rejoicing, and you could go on in, in the Bible, and as you study the Bible... So you want to know what God wants you to do and how you can have a fulfilled, meaningful, purposeful life? Then begin to study and read and listen to the Bible and it's going to reveal God's will and you conform your life to it. And, and it's the life of greatest blessing and the life of greatest fulfillment because he made you and he knows how you ought to work and he wants to guide you into good things. Now, I believe there's a second part to God's will for your life and I believe that that, that is God's individual will. For your life. I believe that God has an individual plan or will for your life. Now, I want to say up front, not all Christian teachers agree with the statements I've just made. There are some Christian teachers who say that God's revealed will is all that there is for you, and then after that, you're free within his revealed will to do and be whatever you want to. He doesn't care if you're a plumber or an electrician, you just do whatever you want to do within his revealed will, there's freedom. I think there's some truth to that. I think you can honor God as a plumber or electrician. And it's not like, oh, I should have been a plumber. I'm an electrician. I've missed God's will for my life. And I, I can't be happy now. I, I don't think that's true. So there is, there's some truth to that. But I don't think it's true that there is no individual plan for you. I believe that God does guide us. And God has desires for you that are different from everybody else. I believe that because it's revealed in scripture I'll just tell you quickly you can read later Acts 8 9 and 10 in Acts 8 God wanted Philip to go to the road to Gaza and he was going to meet an Ethiopian in a chariot coming by he didn't want everybody to go to the road to Gaza but he had an individual plan for Philip that day in Acts chapter 9 he wanted Ananias to go see Saul he didn't want everybody to go see Saul he wanted Ananias to go see Saul and set him on the road to be the apostle to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 God wanted Peter to go see Cornelius. He had a particular plan 
for Peter's life, a will for Peter's life that day. So in Scripture, I think it's true that God gives individual guidance. He has an individual will. I'll show you one more passage about that. I'll read it to you in Acts chapter 16, verses 7 through 10, because I think it's a good example of God's individual plan for us. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 7, when they, that is Paul, this is about Paul and his companions on their missionary journey, when they, Luke writes, came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So it wasn't God's plan for them to go preach in Bithynia. And and God's Spirit kept them from that. So, verse 8, they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You hear this individual plan for Paul at a particular point in his life? He, had a, he didn't want him to go to Bithynia, maybe later, but not right now. He doesn't want him to go to Bithynia. There's a need, and, and he hears this in a vision. He responds to it, and they concluded this is God's will or call for us. So I believe that God has an individual plan for your life. And he wants to guide you and help you in the little things and the decisions of life. So how do you know God's individual will? His universal will is revealed in the Bible. How do you know his individual will for your life? Some Christian teachers say, that, well, you line up certain things. And you line up scripture and prayer and circumstances and the wise counsel of others. And when all of those agree, then that's God's will for you. There may be some general truth to that. But there is no formula, no checklist where you can know God's individual will for you. For example, this idea of circumstances. Okay, if the circumstances are right, I'm praying about this job. I want to do God's will. Does he want me to move to Texas and take this job? Does he want me to stay here and do what I'm doing now? I'm praying about this. Well, the circumstances line up and other people, so that must be God's will. Well, let me tell you, circumstances are not an infallible guide to the will of God for you. Uh, If you only follow good circumstances, you'll only do easy things. Uh, some people who say, well, you walk through open doors. You know, when the door opens, you walk through open doors. If the door closes, then that's not God's will for you, so you walk through open doors. Well, maybe a lot of times that's true, but sometimes God wants you to knock on closed doors. Jesus said, knock and it shall be open to you. Keep on knocking and it shall be open. If you only go through open doors, you'll never do hard things. You'll only do easy things. Sometimes God wants you to do hard things. And sometimes doors are closed. And I'm glad that Daniel and Jesus and Paul didn't just walk through easy open doors, aren't you? I'm glad that they, I'm glad Jesus set his faith toward Jerusalem when it was hard to go to Jerusalem. So I'm saying to you, circumstances can be a a key to God's will but it is certainly not infallible and sometimes the door closes and yet you just have to keep on knocking because you believe God has led you that way same thing is true with the counsel of other people well we ought to listen to wise counsel God has given wisdom in the body of Christ the church and there are Christians more mature than you and you can learn from them but sometimes You have to go against the counsel of other people. 
Paul was on his way to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 22, and every stop that he made on the way, they warned him, you're going to be in trouble in Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. You can read it in Acts 22. Over and over, they warned him, and Paul said, but the Spirit has told me i got to go to Jerusalem. And against their counsel he went. Martin Luther initiated the Reformation where Protestants come from. And everybody in the church was telling him he was wrong. And he said, here I stand, I can do no other. Sometimes you have to go against wise counsel. So then how do you know if there's no checklist, no, uh, no easy formula for knowing God's will? How do you know God's individual will for your life? It comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I read to you John chapter 10, verse 27? John 10, 27 says, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's no easy checklist for knowing God's individual will for your life. No certain things you can check off, but you just get to know Jesus. Because as you know him, Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They know my voice and they follow me. So it's in a relationship to Jesus that you discern his will. Circumstances might help the counsel of others, but it's a relationship with Jesus. In other words, the Christian life does not give us a road map. It gives us a guide. Jesus is a, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is our guide. If today after this service... You want to go to a connection group, and I hope you will. You can go to our Welcome Center, and they could give you directions. I got a middle schooler. Where's the middle schooler go? Well, you go down this hall, take a left, up those stairs, back around. It's on the third floor of that building. They could do that, but they don't. What they'll say is, come with me, and I'll take you and your middle schooler there. That's how the will of God is. He doesn't give you this infallible thing. There's a little bit of uncertainty. There's this little bit of, we want to know way ahead, don't we? Give me a map. I want to see where I'm going. He says, no, I'll be your guide. Walk with me. Day by day, walk with me. And my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So it's in this intimate, personal relationship with Jesus through his word and prayer and the church that you know him. Let me say it to you the same thing another way. It's through the wisdom given by the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. That's what we're after, right? The knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit is within you, and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to make wise decisions and understanding. These are two ways of saying the same thing. It's in a relationship with God. It's by listening to Jesus and letting Him be your guide. It's by gaining wisdom and understanding through the indwelling Holy Spirit that you discern and do the will of God for your life. Let me say to you one more thing about the individual will of God. The individual, your individual will of God will never contradict the revealed will of God in the Bible. So in your discernment of the Holy Spirit and listening to the voice of Jesus, if you think Jesus is saying to you something that's contrary to what the Bible says, it's not Jesus talking, okay? I've had people... Guys come to me and say, you know, 
my marriage is just not good anymore and we've just grown apart and I really think God wants me. It's okay for me to be with this person that I've met at work that's more exciting because God's just telling me he wants me to be happy. Let me, and I, You know what I say to him? That ain't God talking to you. That's you or that's somebody else. But it's not you, because God's individual will is never going to contradict his revealed will in the Bible. And you can rationalize that into making you think you've heard God's voice about what he wants you to be happy, but his individual will must be checked against his revealed will in the Bible. I think there's one more part, there's a third part to God's will. There's his universal revealed will in the Bible. That's the main thing we need to get. But I believe he has an individual plan for you that's discerned through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and by listening to Jesus in a day-by-day relationship with him, he does give guidance. But there's a third part to his will. It's God's hidden will. His hidden will. That is, he doesn't reveal all of his will. We're not able to discern all of his will. The ways of God are higher than ours. And so some parts of his will we just have to submit We humbly submit to that which is not known in advance. Let me read it to you in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So there's a hidden part of God's will that's not revealed to us. Maybe we couldn't handle it. Maybe we don't need to know it. But it's hidden from us, the circumstances of our life, and we simply submit to it. In 2020, a pretty good example of that. Didn't you make all kind of plans at the beginning of 2020? And you didn't know what 2020 was going to bring. It went a different direction from what all of us thought. It is not revealed to us. It was the hidden will of God. And our, we, we humbly submit that he's greater than we are. Now, sometimes you will know, understand the hidden will of God later on. But sometimes it's not till eternity that we'll understand it. I'll give you an example. Jerry Rankin was president of the International Mission Board of Southern Baptists some years ago. Jerry Rankin, early in his uh, ministry, felt called, strongly called, to be a missionary to India. Applied, made preparations. God wanted him to go to India. He was going to India. Door closed. Tried to keep going. No way to get into India. He thought, well, man, maybe I, I missed God's will, you know. So he humbly submitted to God's will. Indonesia was open. He went to Indonesia, spent 15 years in Indonesia, church planner there, and a request came, an urgent request for an experienced church planner in India. And he was the person qualified to do that because he had spent those 15 years in Indonesia, and then it was God's will for him to go to India. He wouldn't know that. He struggled probably. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't understand But later on, it was revealed to him by how life unfolded that God had a plan. Sometimes it'll be that way in your life. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes you'll be going in a direction and it just doesn't work and, and you'll never know. And I'm saying to you, there's a part of God's will that he does not deem to reveal to us. He certainly does not have to. He's sovereign. He can do as he will. 
And at that time we do our best and we submit to him believing that God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are you looking for some kind of meaning in life or satisfaction or purpose or significance? I submit to you, you'll find it where Jesus found it, who said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I would say to you that the greatest challenge in your life and in my life is not to discern the will of God we don't know. Our greatest challenge is to do the will of God we do know. That's our greatest challenge. You just get started on the revealed will of God and you get started being saved and sanctified and joyful and thankful and and in a love relationship with Jesus and growing in the wisdom and understanding of the Holy Spirit. And you'll have plenty of God's will to do. And in the process, you'll find your greatest fulfillment. Let's pray together. Would you join me? Oh God, we want to pray as your son Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe there's somebody here right now that's struggling with a specific situation or decision in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to do your revealed will. I pray you'll guide them into your individual will. I pray you'll help them to submit to your hidden will. For all of us, Lord, we want to recommit ourselves today that we will not live totally for ourselves or for our will. But because you have saved us, we'll say, Lord, your will be mine. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. After our closing prayer, I'll be at the Welcome Center. If today you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, or if you, like these who have been baptized today, want to make plans for our March baptism, I'd love to talk with you. We can set that up for you. Confess Christ and say, if you want to join our church, as some folks did last Sunday, just come to the Welcome Center. We'll rejoice with you and look forward to that. Thank you. God bless you. Will you stand? Let's sing together. is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and Come today, there's no reason to wait.
Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, we thank you, Lord Oh, what a Savior Sing this with us Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing as you wait for the crown 
Tell the world of the treasure you found Home. Amen, amen. Very good. You can be seated. Have a seat, yeah. And what treasure we have found in the love of Jesus. I want to remind you of a couple things. One is our final act of worship. We can give our offerings, and you can put those in those boxes on your way out. And that's an act of worship as we give our tithes and offerings and uh, thank God for the many blessings he's given us. So uh, we missed last Wednesday night. Uh, so we are still on week two of all our CB CDP courses that are going on. So uh, come join us on Wednesday nights. And also just, you know, we're talking about how uh, finding God's will is about relationship with Jesus. And, and that's a, an individual thing we have, but God also calls us to do that in community. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of Connection Group, uh, to go find one uh, this morning and get involved there. And then come join us on, on Wednesday nights for CDP. We're trying to provide things that help you uh, deepen that relationship, help you get on that pathway, that journey with Christ, so you can understand his will and, and live for him and glorify him. So I uh, want to remind you of those things. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, what a wonderful God that we uh, get to serve in you. Uh, we thank you for your majesty and your glory and your power. But God, we thank, thank you that you have a, a plan for each of us. We thank you that you reveal that through your word. We thank you that you reveal that through relationship with you. And we thank you that even though we don't understand everything, we know that you are in control and, are, and have a, a perfect plan where you receive the glory and all the things that you have done uh, for us, that we get to be a part of, of praising you for eternity. Help us to glorify you in the here and now as we go about our days. Help us to strive to build that relationship with you so that we can know how we can serve you better and be in step with you, God. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus. And it's his, his name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. See